listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Uh, so far, uh, we have been going through First and Second Samuel, uh, and, and it's been an interesting uh, narrative here. Um, and we've said this before, that um, these are the stories of the Bible that remind you it's not just God's story, which it all is, but also uh, it's a story of humans. And not just these humans that, that the way we view them sometimes are thinking, oh, like there was a day when there were these super spiritual people that were like these heroes of the faith. We'll see them more and more. No, 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 no. Like every time we get our hopes up about someone that's a main character, we're let down. Uh, in some way because they're human like we are. We're all broken. We're all messed up. But yet God uses people in spite of those things. And this is what we've seen. So far, we've seen David come on the scene as a musician as, as, uh, and, and a shepherd. Uh, and then we have seen David the warrior. Remember last week, uh, this is what's happening. Saul is getting jealous of David because the people came back from war. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Saul killed his thousands. But David's killed ten thousands. And Saul's the first king of Israel. He's been anointed by Samuel. He's a man of battle. David and Samuel have both been anointed king at this time by Samuel. But most people don't know about uh, David's anointing yet. So it's a, a tense relationship here. David as God's anointed king. But also Saul is still technically the king. So today... Today, David is coming to his own. And today we're going to look at not David and Saul like we looked at last week, but David versus Saul. So let's get into our passage today. Uh, and we're not going to read the whole uh, section here in the beginning. We're just going to read it down to um, uh, the, the middle of the paragraph here. So here we have it. Verse 15 there says, David saw, that Saul, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. So Saul's pursuing David wherever he may go. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel, and he went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats of rock. And he came to the shepherd's fold, by the way, and there was a cave. And Saul went to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. And the men of David said, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and shall do, and you shall do with him as it seemed good to you. And David arose, and he stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to the Lord, the Lord's anointed, and to put my hand against him, seeing that he's the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack uh, Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went his way. After David arose, he went out to the cave and called after Saul, My Lord the king, and Saul went and looked behind him. David bowed to his face on the earth and paid homage. And then David said to Saul, 
Why do you listen to the words of the men that say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And someone told me to kill you, but I spared you. And I said, I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? For the fact that I cut off the corner of the robe and did not kill you, that you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you would, to take my life. As soon as David has finished speaking his words, he said to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. <laughs> David said to, he said to David, You're more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, yeah, help us look at this today, uh, now as... A story about wrong or right, not just a story of just about morality, but a story of how you work through human beings in our brokenness and also in, in our, our glory. Uh, we thank you that you made each of us in, in our particular ways. Help us to identify with these folks, not as the heroes of the story, because only Jesus is, but as people that move us to the hero. In Jesus' name, amen. I usually uh, say this for the very end or toward the end of the sermon, but let's look at our quote for the day at the beginning of our order of worship. It says this, It does not surprise us any longer that David must flee for his life, nor does it surprise us that Saul would desperately pursue David in order to kill him. Saul will pursue David to the edge of his realm, to the end of 1 Samuel, the book that we're in, and to the end of his own life. Saul now has no other purpose than the elimination of David. Think about our story again here that we talked about before. Last week we, we've seen basically Saul turn into a, a, a madman in some ways. And here we have the outcome of that because he got jealous of David to the point where he wanted to pin David to the wall with the spear when he was playing the harp. David uh, Saul saw David as somebody coming after what he had. Saul gets jealous of David and then coming after his kingdom, he says he's going to take everything about this. So uh, David uh, finds out through Jonathan, Saul's son, and he escapes. And he's running around with men, hiding in caves, but he knows that God has anointed him as the next king. Saul comes into one of the caves that David is hiding in, and everyone around him, as he's going to the restroom in this cave, they're in the back of the cave, everyone around him is saying, David, this is your chance to kill Saul. But he can't bring himself to do it. So what does he do? He cuts off sneaks up behind him and cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. It's a move to dishonor Saul. But here's the thing. It's passive aggressive. Remember when Saul keeps sending uh, David to the front lines? 
instead of handling the matter on his own, hoping that he would be killed or just die and the matter would go away. Well, here's the same thing that, that, that uh, is happening here, and David recognizes that he's doing the same thing. This is why it says there that David said his heart struck him after he did this, uh, because David recognizes he's doing the same thing. He's becoming Saul. Meaning his conscience, his heart struck him, his conscience bothered him. And instead of confronting Saul, he had, to, he had two choices. Instead of confronting Saul, he became Saul, just skirting around the problem. Maybe it would have been better for him to just kill Saul at that point. But he was confronted with those two things and chose to go the skirting the problem route, the passive aggressive route. And we've seen this a lot in this story so far. Because we, we've, we've talked about this already. How many times do we do that? Someone comes after us or comes at us and we have a problem with someone, instead of talking to them, instead of just meeting them face to face, we, we gossip about them, uh, we, we hide behind the fact that, well, we just didn't want to hurt their feelings, so instead we're going to resent them instead. Instead of dignifying them and trying to find solutions and talking to them and loving them enough to be truthful. But here's the thing. Saul and David do the same thing passively, but here's the difference. After he does it, David is repentant. He has his conscience in check. He's like, I shouldn't have done that. That's undignifying. We're about to see another side uh, to David also. Uh, in this next section, uh, and just kind of set the scene for this one, um, he has uh, found Saul. He snuck into Saul's camp. And he found him sleeping, and he and looking there at him, and he knew that he could have just picked up his spear and killed Saul at that moment, because Saul's still chasing David. So let's see what happens here, verse 17, um, in that passage that we just looked at. We're about about the middle of the way down. If you look at verse 17 there, Saul recognizes David's voice and says, "Is this your voice?" My son David, and David said, It is my voice, O Lord, my king. And he said, Why does your Lord pursue after my servant? What have I done? What evil is on my hands? Therefore, let my Lord the king hear the words of the servant. If the Lord who has stirred you up against me, if it, he's saying, If it's God that did this, may he accept an offering. But if it's men, May they be cursed before God, for they have driven me out of this day that I have shared no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. And then Saul said, I've said, Return my son David. I'm going to do no more harm to you because my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and I've made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here's the spear, O king. Let, let one of the young men come over here and take it. He's talking about the spear he stole from, he stole from him that he could have killed him with. He said, Bring, let one of the men come over and take it. And I will, I will not put my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious in my day of my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and he delivered me out of all tribulation. And then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and you will succeed in him. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. Look at the difference there. The last time was a passive aggressive move by David, which resolved nothing. This time is different. Let's go back to Saul. We've already talked about this before. 
even though Saul was prone to paranoia and got upset <coughs> and he was given over to madness time and time again, there's many times that he came to his senses and was thinking clearly. This is one of those times which occurred after he had spared his life, David's life the second, I mean, David had spared his life the second time. But here's the difference between this time. David is camped out in one place. It's warfare now. David's camped in one place. Saul and his men are on the other. And it's not passive-aggressive anymore. They're about to fight. It's about to be a battle. But David is stealthy, and he sneaks into the camp because it's outright warfare now. He has a chance to kill Saul in his sleep. He doesn't. He takes the spear, and he shows him, I could have killed you upright. See, make no mistake, David's actions were remarkable here. He had the opportunity several times to end Saul's life and, and kind of get rid of that threat once and for all. He had been on the run for a long time now, yet he spared his life, not because he didn't have any right in his mind, well, because he, in his mind, he didn't have any right to kill the Lord's anointing. See, David knew that the kingdom had been given to him by the Lord. However, he also knew that the throne that was the Lord's, that Saul was sitting on it. He also knew that, that God would have the appointed time. Even though he knew he was going to be king, he was willing to wait and say, God, whatever your appointed time is, whatever you do it, I'm not going to force the issue. I'm not going to try to take control. I'm not going to do it by force. See, God never allowed David or told him to, uh, uh, to assassinate Saul. For To do that would mean the kingdom was coming by his own means. God wanted to do, him to show the nation that he was going to do it by his means. Saul, as we've seen before, was willing to hold the throne by murder. <coughs> Saul was willing to murder. But David said, we're not going to do that. It's better to live in obedience to God than to violate God's will and sit on a throne. It's not worth it. This is the context of the rest in God's sovereignty and let God do what he's going to do. So what we see here happening in the story, the next day Saul comes, David calls out to Saul and, and acknowledges, Saul, you're still the king. I'm saying, you're still the king. I could have done something about it, but I didn't. And he's doing something that Saul never could. It is meant that David was probably a better king, or at least the king. And David stayed his hands not because Saul deserved it, right? Then Saul said something we've never heard him say. If God is with you and against me, I will admit that. And then Saul relents and says, David, I'm not going to come after you anymore. I'm tired of the turmoil. I'm through with struggling. God bless you. You go your way. I'll go mine. And that leads us to the last part of the story. And that is, both of them have armies that are going different ways now, but they have a common enemy. Look at the death of Saul. Verse 31. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilbah. And the Philistines took Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, Mount Jeshua, the sons of Saul. And the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Let these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. And he basically said, They're going to torture me to death. Please don't let them do that. But his armor bearer would not do it because he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he
he fell upon his sword and died with him. The Saul, his three sons, armor bearer, all his men on the same day died together. And then when the and when the men of Israel were on the other side of the valley and beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and they fled. And the Philistines came and they lived in their cities. See, from the beginning, David was not out to get Saul. He was not even at the end here involved in Saul's death. And David's eventually going to mourn the loss of Saul. See, God's guidance and protection of David that we've seen is in stark contrast. Because here's David that's protected all the time. It's in stark contrast to what we see here in the fate of Saul in chapter 31. David won great victories, but Saul suffered the last and most humiliating defeat. When we see that Saul and the armies of, 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 the, of Israel met there, the battle was fierce. It was bad. It was hard. Probably one of the worst battles that they had been in. And Saul's sons, every one of them, every last one that they named there, were all killed. And Saul's gravely wounded him. And instead of being captured by the, and killed by the Philistines, Saul commits suicide instead. Here we have it. The first king of Israel that we've talked about from the beginning of 1 Samuel until now is, has fallen. To the ancient Israelite reader, the conclusion of Saul's life shows plainly that the kind of king that Israel wanted, that they begged God for, we see this is the outcome of all these things. This was the king that Israel was not supposed to have, but the people begged God for it. But now a new and better king is needed, one after God's own heart, the Bible says. And he's about to be installed on the throne. Here's what we need to think about here at the end. By sparing Saul's life, David's action revealed the work of the Lord in his own life. David is not a saint. He's not a saint. He's human like you and me and everyone else in this room. He's only a man that's transformed by the grace of God. Only in that situation could he stay his hand and kept from killing Saul all those times. David stayed his hand in killing Saul, uh, not because Saul deserved to live, just because Saul, David was not Saul's appointed judge. The Lord did not commission him to execute that, so he had to leave vengeance in the hands of God. There's a lot of things in the world right now, hear me out, this is the last thing, a lot of things in the world right now that we want vengeance and justice for, like the Israel-Palestinian conflict that remind us that there are times that, yes, we must pursue earthly justice, and that is not wrong, but there's other times we do have to, just because if nothing else is out of our control, we have to leave vengeance to God. Only God can exact perfect judgment and vengeance. So let us pray that God would give us the strength, not just in the world, but in relation to other people when we want to strike out, when we want to do something to harm them or say words that would be undignified to them when they're in front of them behind their back that we would say, God, let us not take matters in our own means, but according to your will and your means, let us understand what wisdom we need. And stories like this today with Saul, and we do it all the time, don't make Saul the villain and David the, the saint. These stories, don't make yourself judge and jury here. We've learned there's a lot of Saul and there's a lot of David in all of us. We want to exalt ourselves, we want to control others, 
We want to be passive aggressive to get our own way. We want our way now. We want solutions now. We don't want to wait on God. We want justice and vengeance now. God calls us to be different, not desperate. Jesus came to the earth to resolve these conflicts and be a model of reconciliation. He was the perfect leader and the perfect judge, the perfect human being that reminds us and transforms us and through his living and dying to teach us how to live in harmony but also to know there's so many things we can't control. He could have, Jesus could have taken the throne by military might, but he didn't. He could have taken over the world by force, but he didn't. He did it by giving up his ego and, and, and laying down his life, serving the world to show what true kingship looked like. A servant leader that would lay down his life for his friends, exchanging life for death. Let's rest in his work and not take these in our own hands. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the folks in this room. Um, that was a, a lot of information in the story today. Help us to, to sort that out and clarify. Um, help us to go back and reread the stories that you've given us in the Bible. There's so much there. I would thank you for your word that gives us wisdom and guidance. Most of all, we're thankful for your son that teaches us what true leadership really is. It teaches us um, that we need someone besides ourselves. Lord, thank you for using broken people like us. Thank you for the fact that we can look at our own sins and our own shortcomings and that through your grace, we don't despair. We don't just get in a dark place. Help us to remember that as we come to the table today, the sacrifice you made for us to look to you. Because we know that uh, if we believe in your son, when you look at us, you see the sun and not us. And we're thankful for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church. And we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.